Master Yunmen said, Every day is a good day. Do passing clouds become solidified in your sky? Is there believing thoughts and feelings as truth, thoughts and feelings as self, as not self, as should, as should not? as good, as bad? How do you act? How do you react based on these beliefs? Peace is who you are, who we are. So it is important, it is valuable to notice when not at peace, when believing body tensions, when believing agitation, when believing emotion thought, These aren't problems. They are supports and reminders to be this experiencing, be this good day. This is the realm of ongoing practice, ongoing zazeni. As I said, Joko said, when we rest at peace with our pain, this repose is the gateless gate, and it's the last place we want to be. It's not pleasant, and our whole strate strategic drive is for pleasantness. But it's the only real solution, the only gate to please, the only, close quote, the only real solution for what? For when we're not at peace, when we miss this peace that we are, which unfortunately is much of the time.
Is there anyone or anything that is your enemy? Please look. Please look when words such as that solidify in your sky, when your clouds hinder the moon from shining for you. It's your experiencing right now how this is that nurtures and supports even letting go, even stepping forward off a hundred foot pole right into this moment that you are, that we are. See, no place else. But yet we have to step off the hundred foot pole in order to Go right into this. Zazening is experiencing the arising, passing of wanting and not wanting. Zazening is experiencing. Of course, we all experience. We all experience this life. And yet, and yet, so often we miss this. We miss this that we are. How so? Because we hold to self-centeredness. You all know this. You've heard this many times. Thoughts that we hold to. Feelings that we hold to. Dreaming that we hold to. Look. If you believe any of these are your enemies, you solidify the clouds of your sky. It's in seeing, experiencing this as it is that's let, that lets these desires, these even attachments come and go, which is their natural passing. So, even reactions of anger and fear Arising, even those are simply to be noticed. Maybe about not getting what we want or getting what we do not want. See, if we see these as they are, experiencing this as it is, we don't have to be entangled in them. We don't have to hinder they're passing. See, that's exactly where Joko is pointing us. Hmm? 
resting at peace with our pain, which is, in a sense, the most extreme of any of those for most of us. What we think is most unacceptable, most enemy-like. The others are all, for us, often pale versions of that. See, And yet, she says, that's exactly how and where our peace is. That's exactly the gate to peace. The gate to our peace. So, no need to turn satisfaction into some idea or attitude or even a form of non-responding. Or, if we do this, simply notice when this arises. That, too, is the opportunity of experiencing. The bodhisattva life we all are is compassionate functioning, compassionate responding in the midst of being peace. If it's all in the midst of being peace, no need to go look, but rather be this particular moment, this particular day, as is. How do we improve perfection since every one of you is perfect as you are? Every one of our lives is perfect as it is. That's what we call compassionate action, which requires clarifying vast emptiness, no holiness, which is what this is. If we believe or act otherwise, that's entangling self, entangling others, entangling suffering, entangling harming. See, what's perfection? Perfection is improving perfection. As you know, when Bodhidharma, first ancestor, is asked, Who are you? He responds, Don't know. Or not knowing, depending on how you translate the Chinese phrase. What is not knowing? Is this moment now not knowing? Are you not knowing? Do you believe thoughts, feelings, just because they arise as your life, as your clouds, as your wallpaper, if I say it, thereby making them a truth? If so, where's don't know? What is don't know? If we treat 
self-centered, self-entangling knowing as what it is, when it arises, when it manifests, then there's right there's the opportunity of man of experiencing. Since it is your life, our life, it's always right here for us. It's always the opportunity of experiencing. Then it's only a matter of forgetting the self of this particular moment, self-centeredness manifesting. No other self to take care of. It's only this moment. That's why the Buddha can explain those who don't know how to be satisfied are poor even though they are wealthy. Those who know how to be satisfied are wealthy even though they have little. In a similar vein, Benzoma, a rabbinic sage of the first century common era, reminds us, Who is rich? One who is joyous with what he has, what she has, what we have. And we all have this day, this good day. So what does Dogen say of our practice? For a luminous jewel without flaw, a luminous jewel without flaw, he's describing you, every one of you. Do you believe it? For a luminous jewel without flaw, if it's polished, its glow increases. So, as I said, improving perfection is what you're doing. You're not trying to get rid of, to fix. Simply letting the moon shine through the clouds, around the clouds, in the clouds, even blocked by the clouds. Improving perfection. Our practice is ongoing, satisfied, compassionate responding. That's your practice, my practice, our practice. So again I ask, is there anything, anyone that is your enemy. Okay. Since I've been talking for a few days, I kept this one short and we can have any comments if there's a need for any. Thank you. You can change your positions or move in accord with what works for you.
observation from last night. Yes. Watching the clouds go past the moon. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful with the clouds. It's beautiful without the clouds, as long as it's there. As long as it's there? Yes. What if it's not there? Well, Is that beautiful? It's a different... <laughs> Yes, you have a beard and I don't. We're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, you don't have to worry Some about days, other people. <laughs> you're just depressed, hopelessly depressed, and mm-hmm. it seems like it's hard to say it's a good day when I don't have a lot of problems with depression myself. I have anxiety more is my uh-huh. diagnosis, but I have all kinds of people in my family and friends who suffer from depression, uh-huh. and sometimes it's partially or completely organic. Yes. You could say, certainly you could say that about pain. That's what Joko was talking about, pain. That's certainly organic. And remember she said this, I don't know if you know, Joko had a condition called trigeminal neuralgia, I might be pronouncing it wrong, which is terribly painful. It's a nerve pain along the jaw and in the head. And there were times that she would scream in pain at night. It's intractable with various, with most painkillers. And she was fortunate that at a certain point in her life, she was able to get treatment with what's called some sort of, um, I don't remember what it was called, it was some sort of uh, rays that acted as a knife to the nerve. Um, so it's not a real knife, you didn't go in, but this, laser? what? Laser? It, 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 it wasn't just, it wasn't the laser, it was some, some sort of, yeah. Gamma rays or something, but I don't remember. What? Ablation. I don't remember. I I don't remember the the name of the particular form of treatment, but it wasn't, at least then, and I don't know if it is now, a very common treatment, and you had to get some sort of special entry to get that kind of treatment because it required certain very um, uh, limited. Um, high-tech mechanisms and she got it and fortunately for her at least in terms of the pain it it reduced it significantly so but the point I'm making is when she says we when we rest at peace with our pain she was talking out of her own experiencing And that pain is certainly 
comparable to depression, as you say. The hard thing for most when caught up in depression is they can't see how to practice with it because depression almost becomes like a blinder and it requires, uh, what should I say, maybe past experience, maybe great trust to be willing to do the work, to be able to do the work that's called for. Certainly people would believe that their depression is their enemy. And right there is the difficulty. Can we embrace, can we rest in as the depression? When that's how we believe the universe is, but even more, that's the spectacles through which we see our life. It's hard, and therefore you have to find the specific and often very physical and visceral practices to make it possible to rest in that as an entranceway, as the gate. But that's exactly what she's talking about when she says, Resting at peace with our pain, because our pain is very much in our face, in our body. We know it, and if we have the courage and ability and capacity to rest in that, that's exactly where and how our life can be offered to us. She says it's not pleasant, and... Our whole strategic drive, and she doesn't mean that metaphorically, she means that in very real ways, is for pleasantness, is to get away from this. It's like putting your hand on a hot iron. Ah! You, you want to pull it away. And yet if she's saying is, that's exactly what you have to stay with. Which is why, in a way, Till we have the trust in our own practice, we have to just do it where and how we can, what's skillful for us. Even just staying with breath for a few moments when we're feeling agitated and jumpy and want to go here or there is so difficult, as we all know. Sometimes it's only because of the extremes of our situation and our turmoil and our whatever else that we can turn and do what we would otherwise refuse to because there's no other choice. Oh. That's me. You mean she? Uh, or I must have misheard you. <laughs> um, so I was thinking, well, how do you do that if you're, you know, your fingers on a hot iron, or you know something hits you, or you break a bone? I, I broke my arm a 
few years ago, and it was so painful. Yeah. That, that break. I so, screamed. Didn't you hear me scream? Yeah. So you ha- have to start with what what you can. What you can, whether it's simple, a breath between the moments of pain, mm-hmm. or the steps that you could take when you're distracted from the pain because you're putting your feet on the ground and you're trying to stay upright. Or it's a matter of finding what's skillful for the particular person. I um, I think once I told you about... Um, when I was living at New York Zendo... Um, at Shoboji, um, Soen Roshi was there, and someone came to the door. We we would most of the time because this was the east side of New York. The, the door the doors were kept. The outside door was open, but the inside door was kept locked, and we didn't really have people come except set hours. But anyway. Someone came at, at not a set hour, and they banged on the door. So, so and Roshi, who happened to be walking by, opened the door. Um, and there was a person standing there who was, she had some form of um, polio and something, some other kind of illness, um, some other kind of paralysis on her legs. She wore full heavy braces from the hips down to the legs and was on crutches. Um, and she said she had this operation coming up that she was very afraid of, but felt she had to have it. And she w- wondered if there was anything that Zen could do to help her. Um, she couldn't even sit without pain. So, so and Roshi spent some time with her and then he saw that the way she moved was with these crutches and and braces. So he said, okay, let's make this, these steps and movement with the crutches and braces into your practice. And he worked with her so that every step, every movement would be, became a, practice form for her and he would go up he went up and down we had a long hallway on the side of the zendo i don't know if any of you have been there and he first did that in there and um, then did it outside with her and he walked and talked her through it so to speak and she did that and then she did that before her operation and as she was going to and through her operation and then through her rehabilitation. She still had to wear braces, but she was able to sit down into a chair. And she came to the Zendo and would come to sit from time to time. Now, I should say in those days, this was probably 74, for 75 in New York Zendo I don't think there was anyone who sat in a chair um, everyone it, it was a 
Let's say. It was a Rinzai-style temple, and we were all, as I said, we sat 15-minute periods, at least sometimes an hour and a half for a period. And if you didn't move, you sat upright, you sat cross-legged in some form or other. Or if you were, if you had to, you sat Seiza, but that was it. And and she came, and you know that that helped. Her. There's always ways that we could find into the pain moments, or between the pain, or even between the times when we say, "My enemy, my enemy, my enemy." In between, there's a breath. We have to. My enemy, my enemy, and then I need to take a breath in order to keep repeating it. So even in the breath, between when I say how terrible it is, how terrible, how evil you, how, if we could even just use that breath to be right here, it enables us, what should I say, one to, if I use the words, to go deeper in a way to release our grip on those stories and beliefs that blind us doesn't take away the pain necessarily. Joko isn't saying you're going to get rid of the pain. She says rest at peace with our pain. And that's the icy couch? That's, yes, that's the icy couch. Now, if you rest on the icy couch with the expectation it's going to cease to be icy, you're already sabotaging yourself, so to speak. Because then your expectation becomes your blinders. That solidifies the clouds in your sky. Then, today is only a good day if, and then you fill in what ifs are there. But we each have to see how the practice entrance place is for us. After all, can we appear open in the universe as it is? You know, can we take off our clothes and embrace the whole universe? Then, wearing clothes, fine. Not wearing clothes, fine. Then, you have money, great. You don't have money, wonderful. That's when the Buddha says, knowing how to be satisfied. He's talking about that. When Dogen talks about that. I mean, Dogen is the one who cites this from the Buddha, uh, where the Buddha says, those who don't know how to be satisfied are poor, even though they are wealthy. We certainly know that. All the more those who know how to be satisfied than what, whatever we have. Right there is our riches. Though we don't have choices in many areas of our life. And we feel like if we had the choices, then our life would be better. 
And yet, our practice is to choose the life we have, choose when we have choices, make a choice, when we don't have choices, choose not having choices. What don't we do? We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about our practice in regard to politics and making choices or dealing with what's around us all the time. Yeah, but make the choices in these things that are simple. Then you could see how to make choices that are skillful in other things. So the reason we don't make choices for those things because we can't make them for the little things. If you can make choices without making enemies, then make choices. If the part of your choices is making an enemy, then you've already poisoned yourself with that. The Dalai Lama lives in exile. The Dalai Lama's people, so to speak, live in exile. Not only in exile, but in genocide. Ongoing. People being tortured, people being imprisoned. Yet, you don't hear him speaking of enemies. He doesn't speak of Xi Jinping or even the Chinese as his enemies. Never. You don't need more, a more vivid and immediate example than that. We are too easy with saying things that pollute our life and holding on to thoughts that pollute our life. That's why when Joko formulated, it's not just Joko, when the Buddha talks about, but when Joko formulated the practice principle, she says, caught in self-centered dream, holding to self-centered thoughts. And we could, from morning to night, we can see how that comes up, thoughts, feelings, etc., that we hold to. Whether it's about people next door to me, people in my imaginary past or my imaginary future, much less people that I don't know, people who are not even people to me. All of those perpetuate this harming, suffering, harming, suffering, harming, suffering. And we do it. We do it habitually with consequences for us. Forget about them. When we say, my enemy, we are hurting ourselves, not our enemy. Every time we imagine I have an enemy. We are the one who are getting the poison arrow from that. My enemy doesn't get the poison arrow from me saying my enemy. Does they? Does she? Does he? I don't think she does. Maybe if I say it in her face. 
or she says it in my face. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they laugh at it. But most of the time when we use those thoughts and feelings and beliefs in all sorts of ways, it's like pouring hot coals on our own head and complaining, why am I burning? See, that's why our practice is an all-the-time practice. And why our practice is so simple, because it's always right now. Don't have to worry about yesterday or before. It's this every day, every moment is good moment, good day. So take care of this good moment. See, that's, Dogen says, for a luminous jewel without flaw. That's your life, our life. That's this moment, every moment. Nevertheless, it's a luminous jewel without flaw he's talking about. If polished, its glow increases. That's what Dogen's talking about, improving perfection. You're not going to make it more perfect, and yet you are. The glow increases. Okay.